0: Welcome to the Run for God Run Club, where you will find God in a runner's space.
1: Welcome to the Run for God Run Club. This is your one stop each week to be motivated and inspired to get off the couch and onto the running trail where you can in turn inspire others to do the same. Let's learn, laugh, and leap into running together, giving God the glory for what we are able to do in his name. Amen. I'm your running host, Dean Thompson. Today, we are going to have a special treat because I taught with Eden Morris earlier this week, and we're going to share our conversation about diet and how we fuel our bodies for all the activity demands we place on our bodies. And um, with me once again uh, to talk about some other things is Mitchell Hollis. Thanks for having me, Dean. Man, it's been um, it's been a good summer so far, but it seems like it's either raining like hard. Or it's not raining at all.
2: You know, we had one of those lightning strikes last night. I was I was uh, in my building beside my house, but I had the door open. I was actually changing the doorknob on my building because we're at those we're at 18 years in our house now, so we're starting to have all those little weird things that go wrong, like doorknobs not working. Yeah. So I was changing the doorknob, and the whole sky lit up, and I saw a lightning strike hit right in the road out in front of my house and the Ooh. neighbors across the street their kids were in the pool because it you could tell something was coming but it wasn't here yet so i i don't blame them for being in the pool yeah i've never seen kids get out of the pool so <laughs> fast in my life but yeah we've just had these downpours here lately which yeah. i don't mind we need rain nah, this we time do. of year but, we uh, do
1: it's been good so yeah and the tour de france is on too you i know you're a big follower of the tour de france i
2: follow it yeah yeah Yeah, i've been haven't followed it as close the past couple days lane's been gearing up we just lane and holly took off for long beach california this morning Mm -hmm. lane's got a race out there so lane and i are going to hang around here at the bachelor pad we're calling (laughs) it for this weekend so yeah i'll get caught up this weekend though but it's um it's been fun to watch. It was
1: very interesting yesterday. Really? I so, well, don't uh, tell me. I you, haven't watched yesterday. Well, there was a.
2: I I purposely took social media off my phone Is there a, yeah. during this time because it never fails. As many things I follow about cycling and you'll, endurance sports, you'll... You'll, you,
1: you'll see an update. Yeah, I'll see yeah. an
2: update or I'll see who won. or.
1: Well, the interesting thing has nothing to do with the race. Really? The interesting thing is that there were some protesters who showed up. Really? so i'll leave it at that yeah so yeah that'd be fun very, very interesting yeah
2: <laughs> so how's your week
1: been been good been good it's been busy we had a been crazy busy the last 24 hours i've been running from one place to another but it's i've always said i like being busy it's better be, better being busy than bored right yeah oh yeah for yeah. sure
2: all right well let's talk about our sponsor for this week again if you have a business and you would like for run for god to support what you do in turn you can support what we do send an email to runlanehollis at gmail.com he'll get you all the information on that but this week's sponsor is gathered goods they are a very special kind of produce market it only happens a handful of times a year ran by casey carpenter a local household name here in dalton um and uh, they provide the freshest produce shipped in just days before the sale. Sometimes even the day of the variety of goods they bring is just unreal. It is really a great organization. so be on the lookout for the next produce run by gathered goods. It's worth every penny and I think they just had this a couple weeks ago yeah. again. Um, Casey is just he's a unique entrepreneur because <laughs> yeah. i I'm convinced if Casey is awake and he's breathing. He's trying to figure out how to start a new business or to. He has his hand in everything here. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but it's fun to watch. I mean, yeah. he is, I, I mean, he owns a lot of businesses here in town, and you'll see him. We were eating at his pizza place a few weeks ago, and I saw a van back up, and he's unloading pizza supplies. Yeah. I mean, he's got,
1: he's right in the middle three of
2: three restaurants now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but he, he is not afraid to work, which is refreshing. I mean, because yeah. so many people are trying to look up for ways to get out of work nowadays, but he's he's like, what what can I be doing, which is fun to watch.
1: Well, I was just talking with a couple of our Dalton State athletes this morning that work for him, that work at the Oakwood. Yeah. He's got a uh, lot of young people working he there. He does, he does, and they do a good job there. Yeah. Uh, well, we had a Facebook post last week. I, I wanted to share one that was really short and to the point, and this one comes from Stephanie Pinchock Marino and this is all it says it said nothing to see here just a nine mile feel good run it was hot i saw this one yeah i and like that i do too and it it kind of underscores this whole thought that we have so many people who have never run before and they get to this point yeah. where it really is look it's just a nine mile run right it's not a big deal yeah you know and I, it's really cool to see to see that be the case um, and if you're, if you're listening and you're not at that point where nine miles can feel like just another run, you'll get there. Yeah. You just be consistent and keep working on it and you'll get there.
2: And if I'm not mistaken, I I haven't looked this up, Stephanie. So if I get this wrong, I'm sorry, but I believe she's from Orlando, isn't she? I think she lives. I think somewhere. I, yeah. I think she was, she drove in for the Disney marathon right there close by. Now that's hot yeah orlando this time of year that's just miserable down there it's so, so yeah. humid down she's, there. she's correct when she says it was hot yeah
1: uh, yeah here you know we get we get the humidity sometimes here but we also get breaks from the humidity
2: yeah this morning
1: yeah was nice. yeah was down awesome. there in mid florida it just never eases yeah. up during yeah. the summertime yeah um and there's some other places then you go out west and they don't know how to deal with humidity at all. No. Uh they come they come out this way and they're like they can't breathe.
2: Well, we we joke about it, but it's true. We call it the poor man's altitude. That's right. You know, it's just if you can train and and perform midday here in North Georgia or South Georgia, that's, that's as good as going to altitude because yeah. it's it's just hard. It yep. really I mean, you really have to adjust your pace or you'll get in trouble really quick so um yeah yeah
1: yeah i remember i think about this from my standpoint i remember a time when i would do a long run on a saturday morning and then afterwards i would just kind of feel like i needed to lay around (laughs) for a while you know to recover (laughs) from it maybe take a nap or something yeah and now it's like after years and years it's like as soon as i get done it's like okay what do i need to do i get on the lawnmower and i go cut grass or you know out in the yard doing something or um you just don't slow down it's just you just do it you keep moving on it's just part of your day and it's no big deal and yeah um
2: and just like altitude you do acclimate yeah and it's uh you know those first few hot days of the year it's like whoa where did this come from yeah but by the time you get to now yeah it's like it's we just got to live with it you just have to
1: that's the whole point yeah yeah that's it. All right. Well, we had a trivia question for last week, and this was the trivia question. There's an Ethiopian runner who won two gold medals in the 10,000 meters, as well as uh, Olympic gold medals in the 10,000 meters, as well as four world championships in the event. But he was good at many distances up to the marathon. He was the first man to break two hours and four minutes. Overall, he set 27 world records. Who is he? Did you know this name? No? no, you
2: said that I should know this name, but I've I've never seen this name.
1: Never seen the never name. Seen That's seen the incredible. Name. Really, Haley Gabry-Selassie was at one time. You know, you, you know Kipchoge, how yeah. big a name right. he is. You know, but Bekele, right? How big a name he he was. We're kind of past that now. Well, Haley was the guy before Bekele. Really? Yes. Uh, so, yeah, he was. I mean, th- but. Here's the way I put it. He was the Bakale before Bakale and the Kipchoge well, before Kipchoge. Yeah. He to was be both, both of those. Yes. Is pretty impressive. Yes. And that's really who he was. He was kind of, kind of you know, he, he was, he, he was on the track for a while and absolutely dominated 5k, 10k. And then he moved up to the marathon and then dominated the marathon for a number of years. And, um, yeah, just again, two, two gold medals in the 10,000 meters, uh, and then four world championships in, in the 10,000 meters as well. Um, He won the Berlin Marathon four times, which is one of the masters. He's won uh, three state Dubai marathons, which is a fast marathon. Um, He's won four world titles in the World Half Marathon Championship. Um, He's just he's done everything. He had 61 Ethiopian national records that ranged from 800 meters to the marathon. I don't know anybody who's got that kind of range. That's usually
2: all. two completely different people, or three. Yeah. I mean, usually yeah. that would be, if you're going all the way down to the 800, all the way to the marathon, that's that's three different people nowadays. Yeah.
1: At least. Yeah. And when he broke 204 for the first time, um, he was 35 years old. Where did he do that? He did it in Berlin. Okay. And, uh, yeah, he broke his own world record at the time by 27 seconds. Um, and that was after he had broken it the year before i believe and the
2: the world record open marathon time right now is what
1: 20139 okay i think yeah uh so yeah it's it's gotten a little bit faster but haley was the one that i think and i didn't go and check this progression but i really feel like at some point in time we went from 208 was a really fast marathon to now it's 204 was mm-hmm. a really fast like it like over it almost seemed like overnight I think that was Haley who's the one that pushed that. Mm-hmm. He's the one that really lowered that. Now, there were some other guys in there with him that were doing it too. But I think he was the one that kind of perpetuated it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, he was named one of the top 100 most influential Africans by New African Magazine in 2011 because he's involved in a lot of stuff. I mean, he had a great running career, but now he's got a great business career as well. And, and it's uh, it's cool to see that. So he was one of 10 children. Um, born in Acela, Ethiopia. He grew up on a farm, and he ran 10K to school every day. And one of the interesting things is that when you watch Haley run, he had an interesting form. He had this little cock with his left arm as he ran. And the reason he had that kind of a cocked left arm while he ran, they say, is because he ran all those 10Ks with his books in his arms. (laughs) Uh, going to and from school. Had to do it. Yeah. 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 So it kind of just stuck with him. So, uh, of course, he came on the scene in 1992. So that's that's been a while back when uh, he won the 5,000 meters and the 10,000 meters at the World Junior Championships. That's how it, it's like, whoa, 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 who is this guy? And uh, and boom, by the next year, he was, uh, he was a world champion. And he won four world championships in 93, 95, 97, and 99 uh, in the 10K. Um, and then he even won – he even finished third at the World Cross Country Championships in 94. So um, he was just this – This the range was, was stunning. Hmm. Um, he was, I think, the second guy to break 13 minutes. I think Saeed Awida was the first guy. And then I think he was the second guy to break 13 minutes for the 5K. Um and then in 95, he ran 26.43 to set the world record by nine seconds in the 10K. Um, and then he lowered his 5K record from 12.56 to 12.44. Uh, and then he went um, later in that summer. He, then he went, I mean, he, he, this guy, he just won one thing after another at, at these different distances. And, and he when he took chunks off of the Records. He took big chunks, yeah. and there was a guy back then named Daniel Komen. Probably never heard Daniel mm-hmm. Komen's name. Daniel Komen would be a household name today if it weren't for Haley Gabber selassie because he just overshadowed him. He was like Daniel Komen was born at the wrong time. Yeah, <laughs> because he just he happened to be good at the same time. Uh, it's sort of like Lane with uh, uh, what's his Schellenberger. name Schellenberger. <laughs> you know, it's just like he's always been a little overshadowed by yeah. by Schellenberger. Um, that's kind of the way it was for. Yeah him um but when uh Haley beat Coleman in uh in the Zurich Classic in August of 97 he ran the last 200 meters in 26.8 seconds uh to break his 5k record ran 1241 that day so to be obviously running that fast and then to finish in under 27 seconds um it's pretty impressive um but then Komen came back not just nine days later and, and broke that record ran 1239 uh, but anyway he's he's he, indoor records of 2000 and 3000 meters he, he had outdoor world records at several distances he got down to 2622 um, in the 10k and, and um, ran when he ran that 2622 he ran 1311 and 1311 for the two 5ks that's some pacing right there yeah that's pretty impressive, um, and then uh, he, he just he had this race where in, in this five k where where he he set this record. He ran he he was trying to break the world record, but he got to three thousand meters and they realized thirty two hundred meters, and they realized he needed thirty four hundred meters rather. He needed a last 1,600 of under four minutes, which a 1,600 is almost a mile. It's mm-hmm. nine meters less than a mile. He needed to run under four minutes to break the world record. Everybody was like, oh, there's no way he can do it. The, the, all the commentators were like, oh, well, it was it was a good shot, but he's not mm-hmm. going to do it. And then he did it. He ran 3.59 for the last 1,600 meters of a 5K. Wow. <laughs> uh, that's just nuts. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. It, it, there's only two other guys who have won two consecutive. At the time, there were only two other guys who had won the the ten thousand meters in back to back Olympics, and they were Emil Zatopek and Lassie Viran, two of the biggest names ever in uh, in the ten k. So, um, and then in in that last Olympic victory, he ran the last two hundred meters in twenty five point four seconds. Hmm just i mean there's there are very few people in the world who can run 25.4 seconds for a 200 meters let alone doing it at the end of a 10k
2: okay so i've read ahead a little bit yeah i think i might i think i might know who this guy is but not because of his running i knew that he was a runner but i've actually seen you've got in here that he he is now a small lot coffee farmer yeah in ethiopia i've seen a special on him Okay, yeah. On TV, and it was, I forget what it was, but it was, it, it, I just got into it. It was talking about a, a small coffee farmer, because the name rung a bell. I said I'd never heard the name, but something sounded familiar. But I, I don't know what it was on. Maybe it was on the Food Channel, Food Network, or something. Um, but yeah, I saw a special on this guy talking about his coffee farmer, coffee farming, and it talked about that he was a, he is a former world-class runner world-class runner yeah yeah so yeah i have i I knew him from the coffee side so no good
1: (laughs) wow yeah that's interesting yeah um yeah so yeah he did all these crazy things and one of the things that he did toward the end of his ten thousand meters kind of that portion of his career was he and becca bekele ran this this 10k and actually bekele beat him this was when bekele was really really good and right at the end of uh, – they both ran under 13 minutes for the second half of a 10K. And you gotta re- you got to remember that Haley had just a few years before that broken the 5K world record by running 1256. Mm-hmm. And here he is running 1258 mm. on the second half of a 10K. Just absolutely in- insane how good he was and then of course he changed to the marathon uh, or changed to the roads uh he got into the half marathon and did really well in the half marathon won won several championships there and then he started running marathons and he, again he was a lot like hip you just he went a couple of years without losing any any race anywhere of any distance and um he just he was incredible how good he was and of course in 2007 he won the berlin marathon in two hundred four twenty six. Setting a world record in that case, which is 448 444 per mile, and then uh, he, t- he had taken 29 seconds off the world record in that case. And then the next year, he comes back and he runs 203.59, taking another 27 sec- seconds. So, in a basically in a year, he took a minute off of the uh, world record. It's in crazy the, in the marathon. Just but here's an interesting thing about him is that he suffers from asthma. So in the in the Beijing Olympics, he was worried about the air pollution, and he didn't run in the Beijing Olymp- Olympics in the marathon in 2008 because he was afraid of the pollution. He was afraid he couldn't handle it because he's asthmatic. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, he regretted that, not mm-hmm. running it afterwards. But um, but I thought that's interesting. So many people think, I can't do because I have asthma. Well, here's a guy, <laughs> yeah. maybe one of the greatest right. distance runners of all time had asthma. Yeah. Um, and, of course, I see a lot of our girls have asthma. So... Um, Hmm. yeah so just just Interesting great guy he's retired now and like i said he's doing all these other things you mentioned the coffee farming he's got a car dealership he's uh he's got some apparently he's got some rental property i read somewhere where um these apartments that he owned they burned down um so he's had some setbacks and adversity to deal with too but he's a lot like um Uh, Edison, you know, Mm -hmm. Edison, they always talked about how positive he was no matter what happened. Well, he's the same kind of guy. You know, when when adversity hits, he's got this positive attitude and a positive outlook toward everything. And um, it's really, really cool to see. Wow. So he's also been part of uh, the Athletes Commission, the IAAF um, Athletes Commission. So um, he's been involved with the sport a lot. He's really focused on trying to make sure the sport is is, – looked upon well Um, he mentors uh, some younger athletes he was in a they they did a movie of him called endurance in 1999 I still haven't seen that Um, but he also I'm looking for he had um, when he retired this is the way he announced his retirement I'm retiring from competitive running not from running you cannot stop running this is my life. Hmm. <laughs> and wow. that's,
2: well said. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So yeah, he was one, he's one of a kind. Yeah. Really, really cool guy, big heart and, uh, people love him. So yeah. neat to see people like that.
2: Good story. Yeah. All right. So, um, we got the Hawkins family Hawkins fundraiser 10 K in the rearview mirror. Now that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, but we've got something else to look forward to August, August, the new website is launching. We don't have the exact day yet. um, but it's right it's, the it's good stuff. I've I've spent a lot of time on it the past few days, and uh, it's it's going to be a game changer. I'm yeah. I'm very excited about it. So uh, so you'll you'll start to get some correspondence about it. We've we've got to all of our members are going to have to do a few things to get over onto it. Uh, we just have no choice. It's going to be a, a few different steps, but I'm sure everybody will be able to do it uh, without any any problems. But uh, we're excited about it. Yeah, that's awesome.
1: All right, well, we are sponsored by J Radio. So if you haven't checked them out yet, go check out J Radio.
0: As a mom, I want to make sure we choose a cereal that's not entirely derived from sugar. Their car seats have to be nationally CPS certified, and their first car has to have every possible safety feature known to man. I just want to do my best to make sure that they're safe. One thing I don't have to worry about is the content they hear on J Radio. Not only do they love the music, but I know it's only going to be a positive message that I would approve of. Now, if I could just figure out how to get my youngest from sticking everything up his nose.
1: Sign up at JRadio.com and download the new J Radio app in your App Store. All right, so I'm here with Eden Morris. Now, Eden has joined us before, and if you don't know who Eden is, she is um, the the owner-operator, the the whole shebang of the Teton Performance Nutrition. You can find her at tetonperformancenutrition.com. She's a registered dietitian. She is an athlete herself, both in her former life through college, um, where she learned an awful lot. And which we may get into a little bit, and then also um, even now in some of the things that she does out there in Wyoming in Jackson, the Jackson area of Wyoming, where there's all sorts of uh, uh, outdoor things to get into. So um, I'm so glad that that we've got her here because her passion is deep. You'll hear it as we go through. And uh, Eden, it's great to see you again.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me again. It's so nice to be a repeat guest on podcasts. It's always a huge compliment.
1: Well, well we're really grateful at, at run for god just you know that you hang around with our facebook group first of all and that you uh you take time to to answer some questions and i know that's been some benefit to you as well but uh but it's certainly been a big benefit to our group as you know anytime that you do anything in, in kind of a public forum um, there's always somebody that needs to hear something and uh you just you it's it's a good way to get through so
0: yeah when i chime in here and there i mean sometimes i put out things that are a little more controversial. Like you don't need to eat clean. And somebody's like, well, but that could be just something that frankly, someone who has a altered relationship with food needs to hear that needs to hear that they don't need to be super strict in order to run well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Cause you're right. There's a lot of people who think "Well, I, if I make a mistake, everything's over and, yeah. and we have to be careful with that. So, yeah. um, well, Obviously, nutrition, it's an important subject for everybody, uh, even people who don't think it's an important subject, as I was once. Uh, <laughs> but it's especially important to those who we have a lot of folks who are changing what they do, right? They're they're going from a sedentary lifestyle to, OK, now I'm going to be active and I'm going to be doing stuff and I'm going to eat up a lot more calories out of my body. So um, and, and again, we look at, at eating healthy as like choosing certain types of food and um, you know, uh, I like to have a salad for lunch, uh, is an example. And I, I'll take, I'll put fruits and I'll put nuts in it. it takes uh, it Takes some planning, and it takes, you know, just having lettuce and some dressing is not enough. Um, it takes more planning than that. And so I have to add something to it. I often put beans in my salad so that I can get some sort of beans or and or nuts so I can get some sort of protein in that. So. Um, you, a lot of people look at for as I use that example, because a lot of people look at a salad as, well, that's a good example of really good clean eating. But it doesn't provide everything I need to feel the best that I can feel, right? So if I go run and all I eat is a very, very basic salad, I don't feel good that afternoon. I realize right. I need more than that. Um, and so you mentioned that you've seen people who talk about eating healthy, but they're mm-hmm. missing out on a lot of things because your body needs to be fueled properly. And I, again, I bring that up because that's the way I feel and I know how it works. And so how can our folks make sure that they get the right mix of, of nutrients and and make those runs feel better as, as they run?
0: One thing I talk about a lot with clients, I literally just got off the phone with a client this morning and we talked about changing the amounts of what she eats based off of her training volume. So if you have people that are going from a sedentary lifestyle to including running as a, on a regular basis, they are going to need more carbohydrates than they needed before. They're going to need more carbohydrates before their run for longer runs. They're going to need to think about what their body can digest to replace what they're losing during their run. And then after their run, they need a recovery meal or snack with protein and carbs. And I think a lot of these people, like if you sit down to a salad before you go for a run in like an hour and a half One, that could be too much fiber before you go run, depending on what's in your salad. So you could end up with indigestion while you're running, which sucks. (laughs) (laughs) On top of that, it may not have enough overall calories to support your training volume. So that's what I would get people to realize is that when you change your training volume, you have to change what you're eating around that training to support what you're doing.
1: Yeah. Uh, Again, it's uh, it's like pouring, I don't know, kerosene into your gas tank you know, mm-hmm. will kerosene run, it might run, it might run your car for a little bit, but it ain't going to be long.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, off of that. One of the, I was just talking to my boyfriend about this yesterday. I was like, I don't like the phrase food is fuel either really? because yeah, like, if you think about it, food is so much more than that. Does food fuel our bodies? Yes, but we're not cars. You know, yeah. Like, yeah. We are so much more complex than that and so I yes I do want people to fuel their body but I also want them to fuel their experiences so like thinking about the social aspect of food is also important. So food is fuel but it's more than that.
1: So. That's a good way to put it. I, I hadn't really thought about that. I, of course, you know, I'm v- I'm very utilitarian.
0: Yeah, so I know you're I, very much like it, it has a purpose and it has a time. That's, that's,
1: and I look at you. Yeah. I look at. I don't. Food is not social to me. I, I don't okay. enjoy social food. Right. So my my thing is, I need to cram down enough that I can keep going, and that's that's the way. Yeah, I, I remember really,
0: the last time I was on her, you and Mitchell like. <laughs> but most quite people agree on that, that as way. The the
1: truth is, is we're the oddballs, not, not, uh, not folks who think like what you're talking about. So people like me don't think about it. Um, Yeah. Well, we think about, you know, I think about vegetables a lot because I know we talk all the time about how we don't get enough, you know, fruits and vegetables in our, in our meals, but fruits and vegetables don't carry a ton of calories either. And so if we fill up on too much of this good stuff, like the salad that I mentioned earlier, if you fill up too much on the good stuff, you may not get enough like you mentioned, calories. And so a lot of times we can feel full and still not have enough calories, can't we?
0: Right. Especially if with fruits and veggies, you might be filling up on fiber, which is great. That gives you that full feeling. But if your calorie needs are elevated, just because your training volume is going up, you're not going to meet that with just fruits and vegetables. And that's where you do have to take into account. Like you might have to eat foods that you might not think are as healthy just to get the caloric density in there. And there's a concept that, um, really made a huge difference to me when I was, kind of rebalancing after having a lot of athletic injuries and it's it's energy balance. So basically throughout the day, you want to take in enough energy, enough calories to keep your body in a plus or minus of like 400 calories on that baseline. And if you're just doing fruits and veggies, it's very hard to be at that baseline. So when I explain to people how they should be structuring their plate, yes, I want fruits and veggies on there, but I also want healthy fat and I also want protein. I want all of those things because the fruits and veggies are good, but the protein rebuilds your muscles. The healthy fat is there to keep you full. And it also promotes hormone balance. So all of those are important to a healthy plate for like a, I call it the athlete's plate. And depending on your training volume, you have a high training volume plate, a moderate training volume and a light training volume. And on those plates, what changes is usually the proportion of starchy carbohydrates. So a light training plate, let's say somebody that's only running once a week or so, that would be a light training plate. But if you're running three or four, five times a week, you're going to need more than moderate. So you're going to need more starchy carbs than just veggies.
1: And so many people are, are, so many people think carbohydrates are the enemy. We hear it all the time and it <laughs> drives me crazy, but
0: Yes. I'm still just trying to, I think it's just nutrition marketing. It's also like throughout the decades, we see so many different diets that have been promoted to us. Like for example, like the Adkins diet in the early two thousands, uh, just any diet, I don't know the keto diet right now, one that drives me nuts. And I would never recommend that diet to any endurance athlete because whether people like this or not, carbohydrates are your muscles and your brain's preferred fuel source. So a ketogenic diet, is putting your body in a starvation state. And that's just not good for runners. Um, and also it was developed for epileptic children. That's the reason why that diet was ever created, but yeah, everybody's a little bit different, but everybody does need carbs, (laughs) whether they think so or not they do.
1: Right. And, and, and that's where you mentioned that the the keto diet, because, and and I had this later on in, in our notes, but the, the keto diet really teaches your body to burn fat. And I get that. And that's a great thing, right? I mean, if you're yeah. trying to lose weight, trying to burn fat is a good thing. But if you're not getting the, the, the because he, here's the thing, uh, if you're going to be a, a ultra distance runner and you're going to run 50 mile runs, you are going to run them at a very yeah. slow pace. You know what? You can feel yourself with fat and you can get away with it. But if you're going to run a 5k yeah. and you're going to be doing something that's much more intense. Fat is not going to give you the energy you need. It just can't, it's impossible. Your body can't work that way.
0: It breaks down so much slower too. Like it takes longer for your body to do that. So Mm -hmm. another thing, if fat loss is somebody's goal, the things that work for fat loss are not sexy. It's getting seven to eight hours of sleep a night. It's eating solid meals, three solid meals throughout the day. It's fueling during your workouts. It's strength training. It's the basics. And what happens when you do that is you increase your metabolic burn, which does change your body composition. And you don't have to go on a super strict diet to do that, but that takes a little bit more effort and a little bit more introspection and looking at daily habits. And people don't always like doing that. They want them magic button. And I'm like, you know what? If you wanted long-term results, you would start with consistent habit change. So the things for like fat loss. So for example, myself, I'm during the pandemic, a lot of us gained weight. I did. I was drinking too much alcohol. I wasn't eating enough actually around my activities. I'm just being honest here. And so I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm in my thirties. I guess this is what happens. Your metabolism slows down. No, no, I wasn't eating enough and I was drinking too much alcohol and I was sleeping like crap because we all were so stressed. And so I ended up getting a mountain bike, getting into an endurance sport and what I did, and I did lose weight and I gained muscle, but like, it wasn't my goal. I just was like, I want to fuel myself better on my bike rides. I want to, I started, you know, like if my rides were longer than an hour, I started having carbs, fluids, and electrolytes. I would just eat after the bike ride. Drank less, slept more, and the weight just fell off, but it wasn't the goal. And I wasn't on a strict diet to do it. It was more of a fueling mindset.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's good. You know, everybody is a little bit different, right? So, yeah. um, but in this day, we tend to do one of two things. We tend to either supersize everything and eat way too much, or we tend to try to starve ourselves. It's, it's, it's usually one or the other. And how do we figure out what's the right amount? How, how do we know what the right amount of food is?
0: Well, first of all, the first thing you said, like, I just want people to get away from the extremes yeah. when it comes to nutrition. It's like, find this middle ground to where you can enjoy some of those foods that are more nourishing to your soul, but maybe not as nourishing overall. But like, while well, also just like, I don't know, like we need to find the middle ground there, but how do we know we're getting the right amount of food? One, you won't be fatigued all the time. You'll actually have more energy throughout the day. You'll come into your runs and you'll feel more refreshed. And the easiest way to do that is again, like to fuel before your runs, have a pre-run snack. If you're running for longer than an hour, have a plan in place for that. Have a recovery meal and snack, eat enough food throughout the day. Be mindful of your alcohol intake, the basics. And then if you, if something still feels off when you're doing that, that might be a time to get some blood work done to see if something else is off. Like we talked in the last podcast, um, uh, oh gosh, Mitchell's son had low iron. So like mm-hmm. that's, if you're doing all the basics and you actually are and you still feel off, that's a time to see if something else is going on. Yeah. But yeah.
1: And sometimes it's really like, simple. I, yeah. I'll tell you one of the things that I did, I remember now I was, I don't even want to say what I was eating. I was eating something for lunch every day and, What I was noticing was when I went for a run in the afternoon, I just felt awful. Like I had no energy and I was just lethargic and I just felt.
0: Tell me what it was. I need to know.
1: I was eating ramen noodles.
0: (laughs) I can see like that's the thing. It's like I would have felt a little lethargic with that, too. But but here's what I I did. I I don't think processed foods are terrible. It's just like there's a time and a place. And right before a run, might not be. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Let me tell you what I did, though. I started adding beans. I started adding about four teaspoons of beans on top of in with the ramen noodles. And it fixed my problem. There was just no protein in there at all. And I just needed a little bit more protein and it made me feel better. Now, since then I've changed to a a plant-based diet and it's it, I mean, I very rarely am tired anymore. I mean, it's, Mm -hmm. it's amazing. Now I get pretty consistent sleep, but, um, But, but being on a very, and my diet is consistent. You mentioned consistency. If you can be on something that's healthy and consistent, um, it it can mean everything, right?
0: Yeah. Well, Um, to that point, like if, if it's around the, if you can do something around the holidays, around vacation, if it takes into account real life and you can be consistent with it, you will be successful. If you're on something that is so strict, that doesn't account for those occasions in life, you won't, you, you won't fail. The diet will fail you.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, and there's so many diets out there now that well, you mentioned a couple of them earlier, but there's so many that they're really gimmicks. They're they're like shortcuts, right? Yeah, and, but they're um, not even
0: like a shortcut because they don't really get you the result. Yeah, you want it's just like, I mean, I get to the point. I'm like, how many of these do I have to debunk? How many times do I have to debunk it? Like, I mean, I guess it's over and over again because. Just because, like, you know, like I've been in the run for God like community for a while, but there's still new people that come into the community that haven't heard the first podcast episode. So it's like, all right, I got to keep debunking this diet. Like, it's just throw it at me. Let's see about like what comes to my head. Like, how's yeah. But they are very gimmicky. And I don't even like the word diet anymore. Like, even as a dietitian, a registered dietitian, it's in my job title. But we are just so used to having to be on a diet versus just following a consistent dietary pattern.
1: Yeah, that's, I like that thought. Um, yeah, and, and that's, uh, I, I've been through that. I, I see that. Um, I, I've seen, there's a lot, I've seen a lot of occasions where people will say, for example, if I run in a fasted state then I burn more calories. And so people do that on purpose. Like they, they starve themselves and then they go run on purpose without any without any food, because they burn more calories. Um, and a lot of times that's for people who are trying to lose weight. So um, we know that's not good for us. What what's the proper way to fuel ourselves before a run? Um, and then you know what is what does it look like? Uh, we won't talk about eating during the run, but but before and after a run, and and that can be we can start and talk about. You know, regular short runs, all the way up to you know, running for an hour or two.
0: Yeah. So, just to touch on it real quickly, I don't recommend a fasted training because one, it's a theory. Um, So, fat adaptation and fasted training, like it's it's. There is a lot more research to support fueled training. And from what I know, and from my experience as a collegiate athlete, yes, you might be burning more calories, but if you dip below that 400 minus, like I was talking about with energy, energy balance earlier, if you're an extreme caloric deficit, what happens is you can increase your risk for injury, hormone imbalances, sickness. And so you don't necessarily want to be burning more calories that way. You want to be burning a consistent amount to where you're like in just a slight deficit that is going to lead to a health. Like if, if weight loss is the goal that leads to healthy weight loss to where you're not just wreaking havoc on your metabolism and your hormone health and immunity and everything else. So like, yeah, cool. I mean, you might burn more calories, but that may not be the best practice. Um, so what is the proper way to fuel ourselves before run So what I like to tell people is like the closer you get to your run, that's the simpler you want the fuel to be. So if it's been more than like three hours since you've eaten something and you have about an hour or 45 minutes before your run, simple carbs, are your best choice, low fiber, low protein. You want something that can be broken down quickly. That way it literally gets into your GI tract is able to get into your bloodstream quickly to where the energy will be used right when you're running. That is the point. So there's no point of being afraid of those carbohydrates right. When your body is about to use them. So for example, if I was going to wake up, I like to like strength train in the morning, or if I was going for a bike ride, um, I would usually have something like a banana. That's fine. A few pieces of dried fruit, like dried mango is one of my favorite things, five to seven pieces. That's about 30 grams of carbohydrates. So I usually recommend 15 to 30 grams. That's a banana. That's a few pieces of dried fruit. If you struggle with solids, you could try a glass of fruit juice, an eight ounce glass of fruit juice before a run. That's fine. And again, those carbohydrates will be used immediately. That is their purpose. So after a run, uh, it depends on how long the run is, but you do want to refuel with protein and carbs. So the protein is there to rebuild the muscles. You just broke down the carbohydrates are there to replace the glycogen, which is the stored form of carbohydrates. That's in your liver and your muscles. So you're replacing that that way. The next time you come into a run, you have carbohydrate stores that will be there. Like if you run out of blood glucose, there's some that can be released into your bloodstream to be used. So Um, the ratio of that is either two to one or three to one, depending on the workout. So for strength training, it's a two to one ratio of carbs to protein. And the protein is around 20 grams and then 40 to 60 grams for carbohydrates. So if you have a longer run, it's going to be three to one or four to one for that ratio. So that's
1: not, that's not a ton. That's just a little, little bit of food into your body to, to get you keep,
0: to keep going. That's a smoothie. That's a bar and a piece of fruit. That's just something. But something is better than nothing after a run. So, for example, there after in like the two hour period after you finish a workout or a run, there your body is looking to replace what it lost. And a good example is that there's an enzyme called glycogen synthase that is more active after you've been like that. It's it's looking to re- to replace the glycogen in your liver and your muscles, and it's more active. Right when you finish working out, so that's why it's important to have a post-run meal or snack.
1: That's I I don't think I've heard that put that way. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah, yeah. What's 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 interesting is that the, the studies that I read specifically about running and performance and running, there's only really two, now other than the things that are, Ill, are illegal, obviously. There's only two things that increase performance in running. Do you know what they are?
0: Caffeine and carbohydrates.
1: Well, ca- yeah, caffeine, yeah. That's it. Caffeine and sugar. That, that those are yeah, the two caffeine things. And
0: carbs. Those are the two things that are so well researched yep. to, to uh, those are the two most researched ergogenic aids. And if people don't ergogenic means like a beneficial substance. So, and yeah. we have
1: so many people trying to get rid of carbohydrates and caffeine.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um so like my recommendations around carbs are obviously like include carbs around your activity. And with caffeine, just try not to have it after 2 PM. That way it doesn't impact your sleep cycles, but like a cup of coffee in the morning before you run with some of your pre-run carbs. Perfect.
1: Yeah. 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 Well, that's good. Uh, so you sent me an article that I thought was interesting um, and, and told me something I didn't know because uh, contrary to popular belief it's, um, it, it, it basically said intense exercise does not always make you more hungry. I always felt like exercise makes me more hungry and I don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's different for different people. I don't know. Um, but with that in mind, a lot of people are, are uncomfortable with the idea of forcing themselves to eat if they don't feel hungry. But it seems like to me, sometimes we need to do that. We need to get fuel in there. Even if we don't feel like eating, is that, is that accurate? What do you think about that?
0: Yeah. That's what I would say. Like that's time to eat for function or eat to a plan, fuel to a plan. Um, for example, if I'm going mountain biking, it is a very like strenuous activity. It's hard. And there are times when I'm like, I can't eat food on this bike. Like I can't like stop and have a snack, but I can drink something. And so it's fueling to a plan. Um, when I was recovering from female athlete triad, I had a registered dietitian also recommend to me, he's like, even if you're not hungry, sometimes I still want you to eat every three to four hours. It's for function. It's to help your body get back to a baseline to homeostasis to where it can be healthy again. So it's not necessarily for, I mean, if they consider it forcing, I would say just reframe the mindset around, I'm forcing myself to do something. It's like, no, I'm giving my body what it needs. I'm fueling it when it needs it. And it's not forcing. If you think of it like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, can we take a little bit of a side note? I didn't put this in our notes, but um, you mentioned the the problems that you had, and you also mentioned that we had um, we've got a lot of folks that don't know who you are and haven't seen you before, and yeah. and, and this this um, athlete female athlete triad that you had. Can you explain just real quickly, kind of a little bit of that, what that was and why? Yeah. I mean, it's a real good illustration of why our food is so important.
0: Yeah, so for people that don't know me, don't know my story. I was a collegiate softball player at Texas A&M University, and that's not really a sport you think of where somebody would be more in like feel this pressure to be lean. But I did, and I there's a bunch of background to that. But basically, I got to this point where I was under fueling around my activities. I was eating a lot of food, but just not enough, and I developed these really strict rules around food too, and wouldn't eat dessert or foods that I thought were quote unquote clean. And what would happen is when I would have those foods, I would binge them. Sometimes I would purge them. I just felt so guilty about it. But that was the problem. If you just are so restrictive by the time you have something, you feel like you have no willpower around it versus if you mindfully eat it and let yourself have it, it loses its power. Um, so, but I, I've read a book that was really good. It's just the problem with sometimes athletes, we can be a little bit too obsessive and just, you know, single-minded towards something. And so I just thought if I was the leanest and fastest I'd ever been, then I would be the best athlete. And that actually was not true. Um, I lost my period for three years because like we were talking about earlier, I wasn't taking in enough calories, enough overall dietary fat to promote hormone balance. And so if you don't have enough, fat going through your body as a female, your body will shut down certain processes to make sure that the basic ones keep going. So basically your reproductive health takes a back seat. So, um, if you are a runner and you don't have your period, that's not normal. Don't think that it's just because you're fit. It's not true. It means that something is off and we need to talk. And then on top of that, I ended up with bone imbalances. I had stress fractures. I had bone deterioration in my hips and my shins and my feet. And I, it all just kind of came to a head. My senior year, I ended up with three stress fractures in my foot. And finally, like I was able to sit down with an orthopedic and another dietitian, And they were just like, this is what's going on. And I, I felt just like I was trying so hard to be so perfect that I ended up driving my body to the ground and yeah. And that's what happens when you don't give your body what it needs. And so it showed me, and I think everybody should take note that just because somebody is lean, that doesn't mean they're healthy. Like they might look perfect on the outside, but their body could be falling apart on the inside. And that's exactly what happened to me. So female athlete triad is the, you know, the three issues, the secondary amenorrhea or primary amenorrhea, which is loss of period bone issues and a disordered eating attitude towards food. They've expanded it to where now it includes men. It's not just women. And So the way that manifests itself in men is they actually end up having, um, erectile issues. That is actually a sign that there could be some hormonal imbalances. Um, I know a lot of men that have disordered eating patterns around food. They have body image issues, just like women do. And so I think it's important to note that it's not just a female issue. This is an issue that impacts a lot of men too. And I think in our country, in the world, women have been made to feel like it's more normalized for us to talk about our body image issues and disordered eating and men kind of just have to shove it down and like not talk about it. Cause it's not masculine and that's just not true. And so I just want any man out there to know that like, it's okay to talk about this. And I get it. I mean, I have plenty of male athlete friends um, that have struggled with it too, which, you know, one of them is a, one of my favorite sports nutrition buddies, his name's Jackson long, but he has a podcast called in the flow. And actually Dean, you would really like it because he's a plant-based athlete, but he's talked about his own struggles with this. And so I just want people to know how prevalent this is and that you're not alone if you're going through it.
1: Yeah, I think there, that's a really good point. I hadn't really thought about it. But for, I remember when, uh, you know, a couple of just a couple of years ago when I when I would, I, I was eating Crystal Burgers three, four times a week. I mean, because that's what I liked that's what mm-hmm. that's what tasted good to me so I, that's what i ate and um, it was not good for me now i told everybody it was good for me and that's why i could run fast was because i was eating that but the truth <laughs> was is i probably would have been running faster had i not been eating that um but yeah, as yeah. as a man it, it that was my my attitude was well, i can eat whatever i want to um i think it, there's a there's a line in um a book called once a runner that says, if the furnace is hot enough, you can burn anything, even cheeseburgers. Yeah, uh, You know, we get that feeling that, uh, you know, as long as I work out hard, as long as I'm a hardcore athlete, then it doesn't matter what I eat. And and then nothing could be further from the truth. So our diet can be related to a lot of problems, can't they not? I mean, you mentioned the injuries that you had, but just and we also talked earlier about the way you feel, but but so many health issues can really be related to our diet, can't they?
0: Yes, uh for sure. I mean, we could talk about chronic issues that (laughs) plague our country, but we could talk about injuries too, for sure. And like the reason why I had those injuries, the bone issues, is because without enough dietary calcium, like your body will take calcium from your skeleton. It's this major reservoir for calcium and your muscles need calcium for contraction. So if it's not getting enough from the diet, it'll take it from your skeleton and that can lead to injuries. Um, but I mean, there are tons of things. Yeah. Like, do you have a specific I like? like oh gosh think disease or anything in mind that could be related to diet i mean we could talk about diabetes talk about heart disease all these things but i also don't think it's all just diet i think it's culturally too like the way that our country has shifted over the past few several decades and um yeah
1: so you think we're going in a bad direction
0: i don't know i i'm not really sure what the future because like it's difficult. So for example, I lived in Atlanta for a while and the, some of the populations that live in Atlanta, they just don't have access to a lot of the fresher foods and maybe they don't have the income to eat organic and eat, you know, go to the farmer's market. And so like, it's not their fault, you know, like it's, that's kind of like where we are at culturally. And so like, there's a reason why I don't say only eat organic or only do this, because that is exclusive to those populations. And I'm like, if you can get frozen and canned veggies, that's fine. I just want you to eat more of them. That's fine. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm just, and I also think what we talked about earlier, like in our country, we have a problem with this all or nothing mindset too, when it comes to like, maybe seemingly unhealthy food, it's like, if I never have it, then you end up binging it when you do have it. And so I, I just think that if, if I could find a way to keep putting out the you know, be comfortable with the gray mindset towards people versus the black and white all or nothing mindset, that would be a better direction for our entire country when it comes to health versus yeah. it having to be so perfect all the time. Perfection okay. is just not realistic.
1: That makes sense. So What about the link between stress and eating? I mean, I know I've heard the term stress eating before where people, they get stressed and then they eat, but can it work the other way too? I mean, can what you eat actually cause you to be more stressed?
0: Of course. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason why like the Mediterranean diet or the DASH diet are recommended because they're better for brain health and they do reduce stress in the body. And as much as I hate to say this, like more processed foods do create more, (laughs) um, stressful reactions in the body as well. So that's why it's good to eat more fruits and veggies because they uh, you know, provide antioxidants and fiber and all these other benefits to us. But I think there's still a balance there with that. Um, but when it comes to stress and eating, I think we, a lot of times think of emotional eating due to stress, but there can be the opposite too, where you're so stressed that you end up with indigestion or mouth sensitivities, or, you know, you're not sleeping as well, which causes indigestion. So like they go, you, they can go either way. So like, for example, like for you, like when you're stressed, what happens to you and your di- like your digestion?
1: Yeah. You get your stomach gets, you know, you get this, this feeling in your stomach of uh, yeah. just uneasy and yeah.
0: Yeah. So like for me in the past, I, I mean, I, I moved to Jackson after I got divorced and I went through my divorce, I was really struggling to eat enough food. I ended up with, um, and this has happened a couple of times since then. So I'm actually really grateful it happened because if you can understand how stress manifests itself in your body, you can find ways to, you know, Help. So, like when that happens, when I and this happened a few weeks ago, like there's times where I'm just like worried about work or the state of the world or anything and just all the or family stuff. There's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes that people don't know. We only see this perfect, you know, like on social media, we only see the highlight reel. And a lot of people don't see the the struggles behind the scenes. And so sometimes for me, when I'm feeling extremely stressed as opposed to emotionally eating, I have trouble eating enough throughout the day. I end up with mouth sensitivities, like textures or temperatures will hurt my mouth. And then I end up with indigestion. And I'm like, that is a response to stress. And so I think people should be more aware of that too. And if they're not sleeping as well, that can also impact like their gut health and how their body digests food. So, yeah, then you
1: know, that's, and of course you're not a necessarily a, a professional sleep expert, but <laughs> sleep is one of those things that, I mean, a lot of people don't connect sleep with a lot of, lot of things. And, and, and it, I think we're becoming less so, but at one time you were like a hero if you could get by on four hours of sleep a night, you know, yeah, it's so unhealthy yeah and it's not just it's not just the amount of sleep, it's the consistency in your sleep, you know,
0: poor sleep habit, like a poor sleep diet, that sounds funny, but like. Yeah. Like that, that can cause more stress. That's bad for your brain. That actually increases cortisol production, which is your stress hormone. You need a certain amount of it, but too much of that can actually lead to muscle damage. So it's like, no, sleep is incredibly important. It's incredibly important for recovery too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, you know, we're, our our whole group's going to start training soon for, for half marathon. And then, uh, and then eventually for a marathon, that's obviously going to mean that folks are going to get to running longer and longer. Um, some of our folks are already running long, uh, but a lot of them are on this journey along the way. And so as we get into these runs where you do have to run, met, we talked about what you eat before and after the run. What, what do we need to look at during the run, you think? <laughs>
0: So there's basic recommendations, especially if people are just starting to get to these longer runs. What I would say is you want to start with around 30 grams of carbohydrates an hour and increase it. You have to train your gut, just like you're training your body over a long period of time. You have to train your gut to take in more carbohydrates. And it's easier to do that with like a slow drip. And when I say carbohydrates, you can get them in fluids too. It doesn't have to just be food. And th- another reason why clean eating doesn't always work as an endurance athlete is sports nutrition products are portable and easy to carry. So for example, like I have some energy gels, like they're called mirror energy gels, but like one of those has several, it has like 45 grams of carbs. And like, I could wear that in a running vest or something if I was a runner. But what I would say is like, as you get into these longer runs, you want to start with something that your GI system can handle. And the easy way to start might be with fluids. And so a sports drink that you like might be a good option, like carrying that in your vest or your handheld water bottle. And usually those contain sodium as well. So just the basic recommendations for Starting those long runs, especially if it's hotter where you guys, because I know it's way hotter where you live than where I live. Um, (laughs) 30 grams of carbs an hour, 250 milligrams of sodium ballpark there just depends on if you're a heavy sweater or not. And then usually 750 milliliters to a, a liter of water per hour, if they can. So okay. those are my basic recommendations. And then people should alter those based off of their sweat rate and what their body can tolerate. But the longer the runs get, the more they're going to need a fueling plan that you're going to need to think about it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cause you, it gets to a point where you just, your body just isn't going to handle it. And it's going to completely, I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's yeah. going like, to be like, we, we, we don't want to talk about cars, but it's like running out of gas. I mean, yes. you know yeah.
0: And also we've talked about this in the last one. You don't want to try anything new on race day. You want to train with the fuel that like, this is the time to figure it out. If you're starting training right now, it's time to start incorporating nutrition around that training to where when you get to race day, your body is ready to go and you don't throw anything new at it. So you don't have like any GI issues.
1: Yeah, because it does. And and, and what I do is I I use... a particular type of energy gel and I use the same one all the time which one uh, goo
0: okay yeah goo is super popular out here I actually haven't tried goo yet but like um yeah, I uh, I got sponsored by it's not sponsored. One of my sports dietitian friends started working for Muir Energy and they okay. they're just really simple ingredients, but goo is great too. Cliff, they make cliff blocks, those are yeah. pretty good. I have had those when I went skiing. Another company I really like, if somebody wants to start with liquids or even like like gummies, um, scratch, scratch labs. Yeah love their hydration mix. It's probably my favorite. Um, when I'm mountain biking, I'll carry water and a, a, like a water bottle with sports hydration mix in it. So.
1: Yeah. 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 There's a lot of different types, different ways. I, I yeah. tried the, uh, the gummies and the blocks and I I have a hard time with it. I,
0: but exactly. You tried it. You had, yeah. you had this trial and error period where were like, let's try these different products. Let's see mm-hmm. if I like them. And anyone who says they have too much sugar, that's the point Yeah, they are made to provide carbohydrates to your body while you're being active. That's the point.
1: <laughs> and, and, and you're going to burn that.
0: Yes. And, it's, and it's literally good. going to be burned energy to yeah. keep you going, to keep you from bonking. That's the point. Yeah.
1: That's right. That's right. Um, well, I, I know that, uh, recovery, is, is an important thing. So I'm really strict about making sure that when I get through, I do that smoothie thing you were talking about earlier. That's, that's my, my go-to thing. I've got, I don't know, I've got probably eight different things I put into my, my smoothie. Um, but you talked about, I can't remember where I saw it, but you talked about the three R's of recovery. Mm-hmm. So, so what are those and how do we use those as strategies?
0: Okay. Before I define those, I want you to replace a word that you just said, say, Uh, I'm consistent about making sure I get something in my body as opposed to strict.
1: Oh, that's a good
0: point. (laughs) Just because it's that all or nothing thing. If you think you're strict, but like consistent. Okay. I am consistent with making sure that my body gets to recovery. Um, So the three R's for recovery, what are they? So you want to replenish, rehydrate and refuel. And I said, those in a weird order, but you brought, you might've seen it on social media or I might've put it on Facebook. I can't remember, but so replenish, that's where you're taking in carbohydrates to rebuild the, so, sorry, to replace the glycogen from your liver and your muscles that it just used to rebuild. You take in protein to rebuild the muscles that just, you just worked and broke down. Cause whenever we do anything, like if we're doing strength training or something else, Muscle tears. That's how we get bigger muscles. Like you in general, like you're breaking down muscles, you're creating these small tears. And so you want to provide protein to fill in those tears. Does that make sense? Yeah. And then rehydrate is with, with water and fluids. So you want to replace the fluids that you lost and an easy way to tell if you're hydrated or not is to look at your urine color. You want it to be kind of this translucent yellow. You don't want it to be clear yellow because that's like overhydrated, but you want it to just be like slightly translucent yellow and darker than that. Probably need to take in some more water. But <laughs> Yeah. Um, how do we deploy these strategies successfully? Um, a smoothie is great because it literally has the fluids, carbs, and protein. One thing I do, as soon as I finish an endurance activity, if I'm carrying a sports drink with me, I finish my sports drink because it's got carbs, fluids, and sodium in it. So it's replacing everything like except for protein. And so then I'll go have like a snack after. But it's just like when you're done, what I one thing I say to people is is your workout or your run or your bike ride is not finished until you've recovered from it. So if, if anybody needs to hear me in their head when they finish their run, I'd be like you're not done running until you've recovered from it. That's good. That's good. Like I you're like making it. a note of that. You're going to put that in the Facebook group. <laughs> no, no,
1: no, no. I actually, I, I, was, I, had a, I had a note on my head and then I it went out of my head and I, I had to get it back. And mm-hmm. so I wanted to type it in while I was uh, thinking about it. There's a book that's that's written by a guy. Do you know Dr. Tim Noakes? No, I don't. Okay. He's a South African doctor who uh, he wrote a book called Lore of Running. And it, it's, it's literally like 1,200 pages long. I mean, it's everything you could ever possibly want to know about running. He also wrote another book called Waterlogged. And in there, he talks about how we are overhydrated often. Uh, when you talked about your urine being too clear, um, mm-hmm. he talks about the dangers and, and how, when a, a professional marathoner gets through with a marathon, he loses up to 6% of body weight. Um, the the fastest guys lose that much weight, and so his contention is is that being a little bit underhydrated is preferable to being overhydrated, because I mean obviously on the extreme end if you're overhydrated you can die from it with hyponatremia, um, but on on the the underhydrated side he 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 recommends that you don't quite replace what you lose in other words.
0: So what I would say it's good to be you hydrated, like perfectly hydrated, like not over, not under. Right. But that's why sodium is important to replace because it keeps you from being like overhydrated. It keeps you from getting hyponatremia. Exactly. So cuz if you're not yeah. replacing sodium, that's what hyponatremia is. There's not enough sodium in your blood. Right. And without it what happens is like sodium and water follow each other and if you're you don't want to be dehydrated because then you have your blood volume will be too low and it'll be harder for your blood to deliver oxygen to your working muscles but if you're overhydrated it's it, that's not good either like you, you it's want a horrible this perfect balance yeah exactly yeah. you probably just feel like heavy while you're running if you're overhydrated
1: yeah yeah but we pounded it into people's heads that um you you have drink to
0: for water yeah yeah,
1: yeah you got to drink this much water you know and and the truth you mentioned earlier sweat rates sweat rates are really important because i mean there's a huge difference from one person to the next on how much one person sweats as as opposed to another mm-hmm. um even the same person as i've gotten older um i sweat more now than i used to sweat um i don't know why that is but for whatever reason i sweat more than i used to sweat so uh, you got to really pay attention to the amount of sweat. A- a- and you mentioned um, the different comments earlier, yeah. um, you know, that makes a big difference, whether it's yeah. super humid out or it's not, I mean, 90 degrees is 90 de- is not 90 degrees, 90 degrees with 90 degrees 90% humidity is a lot different than 90 degrees and 30% humidity. Right. Right. As far as our, our, our needs.
0: So, if somebody's in a hot and humid environment, like that's actually where I might recommend, like, actually starting to sip on a sports drink right before they go run. Like, yeah. maybe, like, 8 ounces of something that contains sodium in it that way their body can hold on to the liquid that it needs once they start running but there's actually a lot of dietitians now that are doing like they're talking about minerals a lot more and so if you have a runner who's peeing all the time let's say they're not running like just during the day they're peeing a lot it could be like a, a mineral imbalance and I'm newer to this area but one thing you'll see is a lot of dietitians making like they mineral mocktail guides and they contain usually like so sodium, potassium, vitamin C, and magnesium. And those are like, those are like the electrolytes that we find in sports drinks Yeah, to keep us hydrated. I'm like, Oh, yeah. this is so it, it is sports nutrition, but it's more applied to everyone, which is kind of cool. But I think that sports nutrition applies to everyone period.
1: <laughs> well, and I take all of those things as supplements as well. Right, And
0: right? so I'll tell you the truth. I don't take really any supplements. I try to get it all that stuff in food, but that's something I've, I've just considered. I'm like, maybe I should start making more of these. Or like, if you wake up one day and you know you're dehydrated, or like if you consumed alcohol the day before and you feel de- more dehydrated the, the next day, you are. You can consume something like that that has some minerals in it and fluids, and you'll feel more hydrated than if you just drink water by itself.
1: Well, something else just just hit me that I thought I would throw in. I'm I'm, I'm throwing you curveballs here now, but um, you know, one of the things we learned with COVID is I say we learned, we didn't necessarily learn anything with it, but what we recognized was that many of the people who had bad outcomes with COVID were low on vitamin D. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Do you recommend vitamin D supplementation? How do you, what, what, what's, what's your thoughts on vitamin D? I,
0: my general blanket statement here would be before you start taking any supplements, get blood work done to see if you're deficient before you start taking something. Yeah. That being said, the two supplements I recommend to most people are vitamin D, and omega-3 fatty acids, vitamin D, just because it's, I live in a place where it's very difficult to get enough sunlight all year round. And so most of us at this altitude and this latitude are deficient in vitamin D. And like you said, there was research to show, and it, it wasn't necessarily causation, but there was a correlation between vitamin D status and susceptibility to COVID. So yeah, I do recommend getting vitamin D because it is more difficult to get from your diet. There's some products that are fortified with vitamin D. You can get it in mushrooms and eggs, but the most readily usable form is actually dormant in your skin and it needs UVB rays to be activated. And that's just harder to get, especially like when we get hot and we're like protecting ourselves from the sun, you're not getting that. But at the same time, it's like, but you still like need to wear sunscreen. Uh, It's just like, yeah. yeah. So I would definitely recommend vitamin D to people, but I would first say make, go get your blood work done and see if you're deficient before you start taking any kind of supplement.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I also, one of the other supplements that I take is B12 because I am on a plant based diet. Yeah.
0: If you're a plant based diet, I highly recommend that too. Yep.
1: Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, because hey, I think that for some people, people who don't necessarily, they may not even be, they may not be plant based eaters, but they don't really like meat that much either. Um, yep. those, those folks could be, could, could be deficient in vitamin B, vitamin B12, right?
0: They could be. Yeah. It'd still be something just to like, to their primary care physician with be like see yeah. if they have a concern about it um i don't eat a ton well i've eat more meat now than i did than the last time we talked but um yeah it's definitely something to think about
1: yeah yeah well there, there, you know there's a million different diets out there we've mentioned some of them and so i'm just curious is there i mean i know you're not a fan of diets in general don't even really like the word but um <laughs> you know, is there, is there a diet or two out there? You mentioned the Mediterranean diet being a a popular, maybe not so bad diet. Are there, are there some that you think are not, not bad diets for an athlete to follow?
0: The Mediterranean diet is good just because it includes a lot of healthy fats that are brain healthy fats. Um, especially with people that are doing more activities like this, uh, like unsaturated Mm -hmm. fatty acids will help with. I, I kind of just I don't know allude that they're like joint lubrication in a way. So that's why I like that diet, but I do think that it needs to include a little bit more carbohydrates around activity. So if you want to adapt the Mediterranean diet, that's great. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anyone that I actually like, uh, somebody sent me a, an article from a functional medicine doctor and I was reading his diet and it was pretty much the Mediterranean diet, but it was still like too strict in a way. And I was like, no, I can't endorse this. Um, yeah. Yeah. Is there that's one the in mind that you have a question
1: about? No, no, not really. Um, I, I think that's the problem. Well, I mean, in, in my case, I, there's not a particular diet, but I I, I you know, try to stay plant based. Right. And, and so that's a diet, but it's not a it's not a commercially, you know, yeah. available. Here's here's a the, the plant based diet, I guess. I don't know. But
0: yeah. Uh, if there was, I mean, I wouldn't, I would never recommend a diet to somebody. It's more like let's look at your daily intake and see where yeah. we can add more. If there's one thing I want people to think of when it comes to nutrition, and this is my messaging usually, it's like nutrition and health shouldn't be about taking away things. It should be about adding more to your life. Like adding certain foods will add more energy versus. I feel like most of us have been told that we need to go on a diet. We need to do less. Sure, we, we need to take in less. We need to weigh less. All of these things. We need to be less. And I'm just really sick of that mindset. So I'm like, I'm telling you, about, I've got the abundance mindset. What can we add to your life to where you feel better?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I remember talking with somebody one time, and we may have talked about this on on the podcast before, but um, I asked them why is it that there are so many people who are starving themselves? They're literally just not, they're not eating enough calories to keep themselves going and they're overweight and they're not losing weight. Mm-hmm. Can you explain to folks why that happens? Cause that's, that's a big, that's a big deal. I see that all the time. People are like, I can't cut out any more food, you know, and I'm not losing weight.
0: I would actually say that they've probably damaged their metabolism by Taking in too little calories for too long. Their body has gotten used to not taking enough food. And so it gets to this point where when it does get fed, it holds on to fat because it's not sure when it's going to get food again. And it's metabolically inflexible. And so the way to change that is to do everything we were just talking about. It's to get enough sleep. It's to strength train. It's to eat actually complex meals throughout the day. So it seems counterintuitive people to eat more to lose weight, but you have to change the way your metabolism is using food after years of starving it. Um, a good example is I have a friend who is a Himalayan Alpine guide. And so he goes over to the Himalayas and loses a ton of weight every time, but he eats more while he's over there. He actually eats more meals. Like they actually have more downtime when they're not climbing mountains. And so he'll eat like chicken and rice. And, but then he comes back to the Jackson area. He lives over in Teton Valley and he gains weight. And the reason why he gains weight is because he's trying to stay lean and he'll go climb all these mountains. He'll go biking. He'll under eat all day. And then he gets to the end of the day and he has dinner and then he has more than dinner because he's still starving. So he's trying to catch up and then he has five or six beers plus that. And so he ends up gaining weight. And what happens is he's putting his body in this like fight or flight mode to where it's not sure when it's going to get fed again. So it just hangs on to it. And he's like, I don't get it. I'm so active eating. Why is this happening? to me? I'm like, you're doing the same thing. You do this every time you go to the Himalayas, you lose all this weight, like you're eating consistently. And you come over here and you go wacko and you just don't eat enough. <laughs> and so I think that's like the most common thing with those people. It's probably they're not eating enough around their activity. And then they would probably hate to say this, but they don't have any willpower quote-unquote willpower. They feel like these intense cravings and then they feel like their body is hanging on to fat. It's because they're not eating enough around their activity, not eating enough earlier in the day. And then their body is just like, when it does get fed, it's like, I'm going to hang on to this because I've been starved and I need energy and fat is stored energy. So that's what the body is doing. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, it does make sense. Yeah. So so let me, here's another thing that's become popular. And then right now it, it the, the name of it is, um, escaping me, but it's where people eat only within a certain, like a four or six, eight hour intermittent window. fasting. What's that?
0: Intermittent fasting. Yeah.
1: Intermittent fasting. Um, cause you were kind of describing that with this, with this guy that, that you were talking about. So what, what, what about those folks who really advocate for intermittent fasting?
0: The research around intermittent fasting, the uh, the good effects of it are in sedentary individuals. There's no, like, there's no real positive research when it comes to endurance athletes and intermittent fasting. Huh. So, and I, I just, again, we go back to, there's more research to support fueled training versus starved training and. I have also, so even if you see research that promotes weight loss or blood sugar control with intermittent fasting, look at the study populations, look at who those people are. If they're not doing the things you're doing, then you're not going to get the same results that they have gotten. So, uh, I mean, if you're an endurance athlete, I just am like, please don't do this. (laughs) Just don't. Um, I also think it'll put your body, again, in that negative energy balance where it's going to be too much. And then also it's just another restriction around time. It is another diet. It's a restrictive diet around time. And I, again, I want people to remove this restrictive mindset, whether it's around food or time and get back to like fueling basics. So, you know, like eat every three to four hours, fuel your runs, get good sleep. Don't drink too much alcohol. That is way better for you than intermittent fasting.
1: Yeah. 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 So do you like my plant-based diet?
0: I do. I mean, I have plenty of friends who are plant-based athletes. And again, like if you're taking vitamin B12, if you're making sure you get enough protein, you probably recognize this as a plant-based athlete. You do have to eat more diverse sources of protein to get all the essential amino acids. But no, I think a plant-based diet is great.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, good. Good. Well, do you have anything else that that we didn't cover that you think we should have covered or?
0: Oh, I mean, I wish I could just like recall those four points. So, for people listening, before we hopped on, I sent Dean an article about from Outside Magazine about like how eating healthier might not be better for your performance. And I right. would highly recommend people go read this because and also if you are in the Run for God run club, you are an athlete. Like you do need to fuel like an athlete. And just don't think that because You haven't been doing it for a long time or this or that, or I'm not sponsored. I don't care if you're moving your body in a way that you enjoy, you are an athlete and you should fuel accordingly. And I think that's the misconception is like, people don't think that they can work with me because I'm not an athlete. I'm like, well, in my head, I'm not an athlete, but at the top of the podcast, you were described me as an athlete. And so anyone who's listening, if you're moving your body, which you are, you're an athlete fuel accordingly, be kind to yourself and don't be afraid of food. It is literally there to make you run faster and run longer and recover better.
1: Well, one of the things that we've done recently uh, since the last time you were on our podcast is we've included walkers. So we now have a pretty good walking population and walkers tend to think of themselves as less than runners because, well, they're just, it's just not as, as strenuous on their body. And so they can't be, but I'm telling you, some of these workouts and things we do, when you do them as a walker, They'll tax you pretty good. They might yeah. not get into your lungs as much, but they'll, <laughs> Mitchell and I, we were, Mitchell did the whole walking program last year. And so we got to the point where he was at the half marathon stage and he was going to walk the half marathon. And so our, our goal was to walk a half marathon in less than three hours. And so we did, but man, was I sore the next day. Oh my
0: Different God. Different muscles. I mean, like, like oh. so-
1: I could not believe I I mean, I'm not that sore after a marathon. Yeah. um, After running a marathon. So uh, so walkers have a tendency to think that but walkers are athletes too, right?
0: Absolutely. I was telling a client earlier today, last summer, I broke my toe playing (laughs) women's softball and I couldn't do some of the big things that I like to do. Like usually I like to climb one of the Tetons on my birthday and I couldn't do it. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to gain weight. But, and that's not true. All I did was I started walking a little bit more, still strength train, rode my bike. And I still kept the same body composition. And I mean, walking is so great for your mental health one, Mm -hmm. but you don't need to do hours and hours of cardio to lose weight. If that is your goal, strength training and getting extra neat movement, non-exercise activity, thermogenesis type movement, taking the stairs, just going for a walk, getting up from your desk, standing up, just doing extra movement throughout the day that all counts and it's all good for you. So walking, if you're a walker, you're still an athlete.
1: Yeah. Well, good. You know, I, I've got a friend of mine, he's a movie producer, um, and, and he, he, he he moves, he's, he's constantly fidgeting. You know, he never stands in one place for long. He's constantly, he's moving from this spot to this spot. He's, he's fidgeting, you know, while he's talking, he's moving around. And, you know, I think about him and I think about all these people that are like that, that just naturally move all the time. They're never overweight. No. Those people are always in pretty good shape mm-hmm. because of what you're talking about. I never put those two things together before.
0: Yeah. The guy that I'm seeing works at like one of the best restaurants in Jackson. He's the GM. He's always on his feet, like during the day doing something. And then he gets a couple bike rides in during the week or skis during the winter. And I'm like, he doesn't string train like me. He doesn't do those things. And yet he still has this, you know, pretty good body composition. And like, he doesn't really care about being ripped or anything like that. He cares about being functionally fit for what he likes to do. And you just have to just Keep moving, like, yeah. and I think that's honestly. So the walkers, if there's anything I could encourage them with, like, I hate to say it, sorry, Dean, but like, it'll be less pounding on their joints as yeah. they get older. So, um, when I was recovering from female athlete triad, the orthopedic I saw I was like, yeah, yeah, no running for you. I was like, yes, but um, <laughs> it was just because like I had like I don't have any cartilage in my knees. I've got some hip problems, so cycling is actually great for me. Yeah. So like. Find something that you can do that you enjoy. Like if you like going for walks, great. Like especially like morning walks or evening walks. There's actually some research to show that a walk after your dinner, like just going for a walk. Let's say you go out to a restaurant, and you just go for a walk after, like downtown Chattanooga. That actually helps with blood sugar control. Like walking is amazing.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad you say that. And and those are good examples. And um, it's a good lesson for all of us because I think that uh, that often. We, we think of exercise as exercise as I I'm doing this thing for this period of time, but there's, there's a lot more to it than that. We can do a lot of things. There's a reason why these, these, uh, up desks are becoming more and more popular because yes. people are realizing they can move while they work. And yeah. one uh, thing
0: I started doing was like daily push ups, yeah. and people are like, oh, I'm not good at pushups. I'm like, well, I wasn't either. And all I did was I just started with 10 a day and it's just a movement break. Like movement breaks are good for your brain too. and like standing up from your desk a stand up desk like all that stuff there it all counts
1: yeah 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 all right well I, I again i can't tell you how much we appreciate what you mean to us at, at run for god and just helping folks to to be healthier that's our goal obviously we want folks to find uh, to find jesus and, and find uh, uh, their salvation um but for many people they just want to learn how to live better and, yeah. uh, and, and you really have done a, a lot for us to help folks to to have better lives because they're just healthier and eating is yeah. a big, big portion of that. And, uh, I really appreciate the, your approach because again, like you said, there's so many people you, you, you chastise me for using the word strict because that's the way people talk and it's the way people think. And so getting away from that mindset, I think is important. And I like the way you put it. So thank you so much for that.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's hard. Like I always feel weird when I catch people and I say something, but I don't think we quite have realized how much we've internalized this diet mentality, even if we're not dieting and words like that, or even, okay. One of my part-time jobs in town is I work at a women's clothing store. I started modeling for this, um, the store owner. And actually her husband is from the Dalton area. So which is funny, <laughs> but like one thing I hear is the way that women talk about their bodies. And so sometimes I don't do it in there, but like with my friends or with my clients, there's certain words that they will use where i will be like, let's actually not, not use this word anymore. Or one thing that I've chatted with about with a client this morning was um, we always see this messaging that we have to love our body and I would actually say that's really difficult to do. Like as, as we age a certain thing, we're not going to love our body every single day. But one thing that I think that is helpful is learning how to accept our body, even if it doesn't look the way we want it to, or function the way we want it to, it is still an incredible thing that we are able to move every single day. And it's a blessing. And so accepting our bodies for the functionality that they give us is something all of us should be working on.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well put. Well put. Well, we'll, uh, we'll finish with that. And again, we appreciate you being here.
0: Of course. Yeah. Thanks again for having me.
2: While you're working hard to keep your body in shape physically, the music you listen to while you run can help keep you in shape spiritually. We've partnered with J radio to put together a group of running playlists by Dean Lane, Holly, myself, and others that you hear here on the run for God podcast. Plus, you can listen to a playlist put together by members of Run Club, just like you. Check out the whole station of Run for God playlist at jradio.com and in the J Radio app.
1: All right, we're back, and you know, Eden is so refreshing. I love the her take on the way she looks at diet is. She doesn't like the word diet. Well, I was
2: going to say, she doesn't like the no, word diet.
1: she doesn't. Yeah. And she doesn't like the word strict. She points that out. And sure. th- there's a lot of things that, that she looks at it a lot more practically than most people do. Right. And I really like that. And um, she, I'm a practical person myself. Mm-hmm. I like to think in common sense terms, and that's what she does. Yeah. And uh, so hope you got a lot out of that. Um, you know, it, it's sort of like... I thought about this analogy sometimes we look at diets like we're building a bridge mm-hmm. and as if if we leave one part out the whole thing's going to come falling down sure. and what what she does is she she tells us she kind of knocks the leg out of that argument by saying no 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 this isn't building a bridge this is just it's driving your car and you took a wrong turn you just turn around and go back and yeah. you get back on the path yeah you know and and I think that's that's mm-hmm. refreshing well we had an interesting thing that happened this week in the professional world um, there was this big uproar because Cooper tier our the, our 1500 meter national champion was at the hospital and then the next day we found out he had just cut his finger so uh, <laughs> it was that was pretty good you got to dramatize everything here, uh, absolutely so. yeah. you know it. Uh, And they're dramatizing this too. Uh, Jerry Schumacher, who has been the Bowerman Track Club uh, head coach for several years now, is now the head coach at the University of Oregon. Really? Yes. Uh, That just happened. And um, so I don't know what's going to happen with the Bowerman Track Club and how that's going to – I don't know if he's going to – I think he's going to try to take care of both. Uh, But some of the Bowerman Track Club folks, I think, are going to move to Eugene. I'm not sure exactly. (laughs)
2: Haven't there been – haven't there been several Bowerman people leave over the past few years? There have. There's always
1: people coming in and out. Is that okay?
2: Yeah, I don't. I, I guess I follow a few that have left, and I I didn't know if that was something going on, coaching I, styles. I don't know.
1: I don't think so. And of course, okay. Shelby Houlihan, you know, with the positive drug test, she's a Bowerman Track Club athlete, and so. But I, you know, for the most part, all the circles and all the people that I hear really feel like Jerry if there was any doping going on with Shelby Houlihan they feel like that was a thing that she was doing on her own that it's not not part of the program now you know uh, um, um, what's this uh, our, our 5 and ten ten thousand 10,000 meter guy uh, Grant Fisher Uh, grant fisher is a bowerman track club guy okay Um, and so he's still with them and doing well obviously yeah so it's going to be interesting to see if if oregon can come back to the top of the sport in cross country with jerry schumacher at the helm because they've not been as good over the it's been since 2011 i want to say since they've been in the top three or four in Mm -hmm. the country Um, we still think of them as being there all the time but they're they're always good, but they're not what they were, once were. I mean,
2: you just naturally think running Oregon.
1: That's right. That's right. But it's not been that way for a while. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And then this big story came out about Mo Farah. Did you hear about this? I didn't. So Mo Farah came out with this story about how he was trafficked as a child. At nine years old, he was taking, taken from Somalia to Great Britain. Um, I mean, this in a in a really weird way where this lady kind of took him away from his family and put him on a plane and didn't tell him what was what was going on until they got to, to Great Britain. And he had to work as a servant for a family there in Great Britain. Really? For, for, yeah. For a little while until somebody got wind of it. And then they, they took him away from there and they, they, they gave him a foster family that was from Somalia kind of knew him and understood him but but mo fair grew up in 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 pretty rough circumstances hmm. and went through some tough things and um he's uh, he, he he was one of those kids who because he was taken from his country and put into this whole different atmosphere he kind of felt out of place and so he started when he got into junior high school he started running track and that's where he kind of found his belonging it was Mm -hmm. that was his thing and um once he found that his whole life turned around and changed and um yeah so it's interesting that this is i mean we obviously he's known this and he's he's just kept all that quiet it you know we talk about how we don't know what other people are going through and this Mm -hmm. is just one of those things here is a two-time gold medalist in 5k and 10k one of the greatest runners of all time and he's gone through all this adversity, and we never knew it. So what? how did it
2: come out? Did he just decide to start talking about he it? He just
1: decided to start wow. talking about it. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. And I had an interview, and yeah, I, I, I just – One of the things that I think I think about here is I think about how I've seen working in, in, in and around academia and, and people who are in academics, a lot of times they talk down about mm-hmm. like PE classes and athletics and things like that, and I always hate to hear that because yeah. – Here's here's a case of that saved his life. Yeah, I mean that just really changed his life completely, and uh, and it can be so important. Now I realize there's not going to be many Mo Ferris, but for a lot of people, that's really where they find some purpose for their life. And um, yeah,
2: well, I mean it's it's an outlet not just for your entire, but even at a young age like him. I mean, you talk about the young man in your neighborhood. Yeah, that's a that's an outlet Mm -hmm. that. School's not going to do that for him. It's it's something that he can make his own, mm-hmm. uh, and that's important for all kids, really. Yeah. That that they find something that's that's not moms, it's not dads, it's theirs. Yeah, and uh, we we see that a lot. We see that we see the bad side of that a lot, where you know parents try to live vicariously through their kids. Um, you know, I had a friend of ours, one of our sponsors, Billy Barton, come up to me yesterday. I saw him out, <laughs> and uh, he was talking about Landon. He said, "Man, I've seen." You know, Landon's just killing it right now. And I said, Yeah, who would have ever thought? He said, You know the best thing you ever did. You didn't push him. Yeah. And Landon has kind of taken this sport on his own now and he's he's flourishing. And it's it's helping him on every aspect of of a sixteen year old. It's not just the running, but confidence and all those things. So yeah, and and more times
1: than not, for young people it is sport that does that yeah it, it is it was for me yeah it's exactly for me it was 100 yeah, percent. and here's the thing from a from a christian perspective mm-hmm. is people are much easier to reach with the gospel when they can find a comfortable spot to be in, I feel like sure. So when somebody just feels completely out of place and they're just you know they they don't understand why they're even living, it's a little bit harder. But when somebody finds something like running that that makes them feel feel a purpose, I think people then begin to wonder.
2: Well, you have some you have a commonality. I mean, it's yeah. the, the, the the subtitle of the devotions book. It's finding God in a runner's space. Yeah, you yeah. know, you you got to. You're right. Mm-hmm. It's it's hard to just approach somebody cold with the gospel, but when you got something in common, you know, the barriers come down and it's, you're, it's safe.
1: Yeah. It's, it's,
2: it's a, it's a good way to do it yeah. just to find commonality with people first and then present them with the gospel.
1: Yeah. Well, Mo eventually did get a chance to reunite with his mother hmm. and I saw a picture of that. I can't hardly talk about it because it's just, I can't imagine mm-hmm. going through that. And how old it, was he? Um, this was just in the last couple of years, I think. Really? Yeah, I think it's just recently. I mean, well, I don't know about that. That might. I, I, I'm speaking out of turn here. I'm not sure when it was. Yeah. But um, yeah, you know, his mother, his mother gave him up. He actually went to live with his uncle first before he was taken away um, because his mother just couldn't handle it. And Somalia is a a, a place that's really tough. There's a, a section where he's from. It's called Somaliland which is actually a place that's not recognized internationally as a country. And so, um, yeah, he's, uh, it's just a, it's a great story where, you know, his whole, I mean, imagine if, if he had stayed where he was and he hadn't been this, you know, when we talk about God's plans for our lives, if he had not been taken from Somalia, we wouldn't know who Mo Farah was today. Very possibly. Yeah. He, we never would have known who he was. And, uh, you know, God uses these really bad circumstances sometimes to... Just
2: pulled it up said he was reunited with his mom in 2000.
1: Oh, okay. So it's been a while back. Yeah. So it, it was while he was running. Yeah,
2: he's just now started to discuss it. Yeah. Um, wow.
1: Yeah. Very interesting. So, and, you know, he was... Uh, if you know Galen Rupp, um, you know, he's the best American marathoner. Um, Galen Rupp and Mo Farah used to train together. So, uh, hmm. yep. So it's all... It's it's an interesting story. I love it. Yeah, we had a trivia question for this week. Let's. Uh, this one's very simple. And um, I was reminded of this. My old high school coach has he's he wants to start a newsletter. So he sent me this newsletter that he had created and said, "What do you think about this?" And he had some some one of the things he talked about on there was this this question. So I thought that's a good that's a good trivia question we need to have him on here
2: we do need i've him. thought about that more than one time i don't
1: know if he would do it i've asked him have you i have asked him what does he say well he doesn't say anything i <laughs> well, would that's just, about what i was thinking yes what what i would need to do is say Tricking. i need you to be here on this day
2: <laughs> we're and gonna he would do, do something do
1: he would do it uh, he would do it but it's it's going to be a challenge because you know how you he has to pull it he's, out he's he. a man of few words yeah so, uh, but, but you're yes. a man of many words, so yes. that kind of offside. I think I could pull it out of him. But, Let's uh, make that happen. Yeah, we need to get him to start telling He's, some stories. I
2: mean, He's, just the story of his running streak. Oh yeah, I mean that's that you could take up an hour with that.
1: Easy, easily. I mean, because
2: you know, there's stories that come along with that running every day for how many years?
1: Forty-seven. Wow. Yeah, I there's. He, he has so many stories i mean i heard stories back in the 80s that he used to tell that were amazing stories i mean he's forgotten more stories you'll need to write them down that I before know. he
2: gets here and yeah so you can i need to
1: him, yeah you know. i need to do that yeah yeah that would be a fun thing to do let's okay. do that let's do that let's do that this summer let's do that in the next month or two
2: you, you set it up yeah.
1: All right, i'll do it i will do it all right and if okay so here's the trivia question who won the first ever olympic marathon i'll bet you don't know the answer to this one i'll bet you never heard the name before it's a cool sounding name so i don't if you know that i want to say we've talked about it before i don't think we have and that's what that's what made me that's what struck me was i don't remember us ever talking about that so i thought it would be a good trivia question because i really don't now maybe we have say we have Dean. i don't remember the name well we'll see we'll see if anybody remembers
2: what what was the instance where you talked about, you know, they got in the cars and
1: Oh, that was in that that was later. That was that was three Olympics after the first Olympics. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well maybe we haven't talked about Yeah. That. I don't
2: think we have. Okay.
1: Yeah. But we will next week when we give the answer. And if All you right. know the answer, you can send it to Dean at RunforGod.com. And if you're the first person to get that answer to me, then you will win a run club tumbler. Yeah. So be the first person.
2: I love this motivational thought of the week.
1: Yeah. Well, I, every week I share a reason why running is so awesome. And so I wanted to share this this week. Oh, I jumped ahead of you, did you? Me? did. Well, I um, really like it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the reason why running is so awesome is it saves lives. Just look at what it did for Mo Farah. Yeah. I rest my case. Yeah. Period. <laughs> all right, now I love the motivational thought. The motivational ways. thought we've all, we've all heard this one before. Probably a lot of people have heard this one, and I always love this one. So it says, uh, "This is the way it goes." It's an African proverb, I think. It is. I yeah, saw I'm it attributed sure it is, yeah. to different people. Like there's there this this quote is attributed to four or five different people. Really? Yes.
2: I've always heard it as an African proverb.
1: One of the ones I've seen it attributed to is is uh, is Roger Bannister. So. I'm sure Roger Bannister. He may have said this, but he was only quoting I was gonna say that this yeah. this has gotta be older than that. Because this saying.
2: is not just about this is not just about running.
1: That's right. Here it is. Every morning in Africa a gazelle wakes up. It knows it must outrun the fastest lion or it will be killed. Every morning in Africa a lion wakes up. It knows it must run faster than the slowest gazelle or it will starve. It doesn't matter whether you're the lion or the gazelle. When the sun comes up, you better be running. I love that. <laughs> it's a good one for sure. It's a dog-eat-dog world. We don't get up and get ready for it to, to face it. Um, and that includes spending some time in prayer mm-hmm. and, and in the Bible. And, um, and, and we can face any day sure. when we've got him with us, right? All right. All right. Well, Episode 122. 122 in the books that's it so until next week may God bless every step of every run go out there and shine your light good job Dean
0: for more information about the Run for God ministry go to runforgod.com if you have questions about your salvation click on the Peace with God tab there's nothing more important thanks for joining us today